Hi everybody, this is Jitain from Zero, and you're listening to Retail Reimagined, the podcast where we'll talk to CEOs, CMOs, CTOs from the retail industry and uncover the future of retail. So tune into the podcast and learn what's happening in the retail industry. Hi everyone, welcome to Retail Reimagined. In this episode, I'm switching things up a bit by speaking to someone from the D2C industry. Our guest, Arjun Vaidya, comes from a long line of Ayurvedic practitioners, the sixth generation to be exact. Successfully launched and built a D2C business and now invests in mentors D2C startups. So without much further ado, let's welcome Arjun Vaidya, co-founder of V3 Ventures to the show. Thank you for joining us, Arjun. Thank you so much. I'm excited to do this with you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussion with you and hopefully these insights that you share will help a lot of the brands that are operating the retail space today. So starting off, just walk us through your journey and made you get into the D2C space. Look, I'll tell you the reason I chose D2C and the reason I started Dr. Vedya is actually is very well known. So I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. The reason we went into D2C was actually we failed miserably offline. We had a colossal failure of our business in the offline space. And we put a bunch of stock out in the market and we had lots of distributors, but we built to distributors, distributors couldn't build to retailers or retailers couldn't build to end customers and we didn't get paid. We got a 90% of our stock return. Right. And you realize that specifically in our niche, which was IRA, we had lots of competition that we couldn't keep up with. Right? There were lots of big brands, lots of ATL advertising. And lots of brand recall which we didn't have and so this was a space honestly that we couldn't win in which is why we decided that there has to be an alternative channel right and d2c seemed like the only other channel to go for uh, my wife who was my girlfriend at the time she was in the early team and Nike, and she had seen the growth and sort of trajectory of this channel as well so she sort of pushed me i convinced her to join the business and November 2017, we went online first or digital only, which is now called D2C. Right, right. Probably you were one of the first... First cohort, I would say. First cohort. Cohort. And from the Ayurvedic space, I think possibly one of the first to really go online and take the plunge. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm very surprised because Ayurveda typically is sold. You're right. It's sold through multitude of distributors or retailers, right? And invariably, that's how it works. But I'll okay. tell you what the insight was, why it worked in D2C, right? Right. In Bombay, Delhi, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Chennai, you have access to Ayurvedic products and doctors slash care at the touch of your fingertips. Correct. When we spoke to our first thousand customers, we realized that more than three quarters of them came from Anantnag, Muzaffarnagar, Trichy and Imphal. Because in these cities, there was no one giving a free consultation high quality Ayurvedic care and products that touch of consumers' fingertips. And that, honestly, was the reason for our D2C success. Fantastic. We didn't know this going in, by the way. We didn't know this going in. It came from talking to our customers and realizing who we are supposed to cater to. Right. From learning this, we changed the way we marketed our products, the way we engaged with these customers. Right. I, I'm also intrigued. Typically, Ayurvedic brands normally succeed, right? You go to the pharmacy or there are exclusive pharmacies that stock these, right? So what was it that y'all couldn't do offline for the offline space that y'all managed to do uh, and, and succeed in the D2C space? Yeah, look, the one thing that we did that nobody else did and we pioneered this in India was a free online consultation. Ah, right? okay. Gave consumers the level of trust 
and the level of confidence in a new brand that nothing else could give. So I think that was really, really helpful for us as a brand. That's number one. Interesting. Yeah. Number two, we actually had 150 years of legacy and a lot of research behind the formulations, right? So I think that really helped. And then engaging with the customer in a new age format that appealed to them, right? So easier to understand product labels, new age ways to package or format the product. All of these things really, really, really helped us. As right. Well. right. So two questions, I think two questions come out of this. One is these things that you did to help you in the business, right? Do you see some of it getting carried on to the offline space? Yes, some of it can. Some learnings can be like, could you put a hotline on your product for a free consultation? Yes, it could build repeats further. And the format of the product could also be replicated in the offline space. But I think what can't be replicated actually, to be honest, is the digital touch point and the experience that we created to be able to engage with consumers across 16,500 pin codes in four years. Fantastic. 60% of India's pin codes. Wow. Wow. And that's quite substantial. Absolutely. And, and at speed. At tremendous speed. Yeah. Four years, right? Right. And I know you have an MBA from the USA, right? You could have... I actually through. don't have an MBA, by the way. I'm an undergrad. Okay. So sorry. But you could have pursued, I know you did something in the US. You did study in the US. I think I got in the US. And this, and this. But I'm yes. a BA. Okay. I'm a BA in politics and economics. Oh, wow. Okay. You could have pursued other career paths. What drew you to this industry? Yeah, look, this, you see this band with the Indian flag on my hand. <laughs> I'm very patriotic. When I went to the US, I saw yoga being repackaged. Mm-hmm. Bands, yoga gyms, yoga apparel. Mm-hmm. Multi-billion dollar industry in the US. And for me, I started thinking to myself, why don't Indian companies have a share of this proliferation of your Right. Why? Right? And so I eventually uh, called my grandfather, I remember, and he's the one who was an Ayurvedic doctor and told him we can't let the same happen with I. Right? And that was sort of the thought process behind going for this in this way, shape or form. Interesting. Interesting. I was very patriotic, so I moved straight back to India after my undergrad. I didn't spend any time in the US and I just went for it because I believe that Indian companies need to take Ayurveda to the world and to modern culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is, I think somewhere it also met that wave, right? There was, I think around the time that you all started or a little later, there was also a move to promote healthier kind of treatment options for Indians. Absolutely. So starting a D2C business without any background in retail or even in the e-commerce space must have been challenging. What were some of the difficulties you faced? Lots of difficulties. We were in an industry where we were competing with people across, people who had much more experience and much more scale and sales, who were much better known brands. D2C was totally new for us and new for customers as well, by the way. We were trying to convince customers to buy online. So I think that was number two. And number three, I would say, is that we were operating in a space that nobody believed we could. Right? So, nobody believed Ayurveda could be sold online and consumers would buy Ayurveda online. And so, when we got to 50 orders a day, people are almost at 50 orders a day, including investors, like, that's the max you can reach online Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. We took that 50 to 5,000, right? Wow. So, anyways, when you're doing category creation, it's a much tougher journey. Got it. Got it. And and you must have been surprised, right? You would have assumed that the orders would have come from a Bombay, Bangalore, Delhi. Did the 
did the order yeah, tell me other assumption yeah and not what if we retain minimalistic copy in english would work actually tiktok was our best marketing channel it's fantastic most of our ads were in hindi and english because that's what our customer wanted absolutely right? yeah so that's 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 an insight that you possibly wouldn't get unless you're out there absolutely yeah you have to go and talk to the customer to get that insight yeah for me i would have assumed that typical runs of bail social media channels would have worked but we did work they did work but instagram didn't work as well as facebook because our customers were outside the top 10 cities mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. tiktok worked because that's where our customer was so i think all of these nuances were sort of real for us right right but that also i think kind of opened up even before the pandemic i think kind of opened up newer markets of course the pandemic obviously took this to a different level but since the pandemic brought lots of customers who had never consumed ayurveda into i and was that also because of whatever fears and thing that yeah i think community got a big boost mm-hmm. government was talking about ayurveda a lot right i think people went towards natural wellness yeah but i think what, what we were able to effectively do was vince those so our job was right bringing the customers through the top of funnel which is immunity right but show them that you have head skin cough cold weight management diabetes arthritis asthma also so get them to repeat another kind of because immunity was a short lived wave right i i don't think we hear the word immunity as much anymore we used to have true yeah yeah and in doing so and in, in like you mentioned right how do i get the customer to repeat right which obviously means you must have done something right in the in the customer experience space yeah something that you did obviously would have made them repeat what was it that you managed to do to get them to repeat get them to order more and frequently yeah i think it was very critical of us to understand how our customer would be communicated with and so our mentality and our mindset would tell us that it would be email would be whatsapp would be sms but actually our customer like to be called i hate to be called i absolutely hate to be called but we had to try all these channels to engage with the customer and then we realized that a feedback call 25 days after delivery of order was the best way for this to happen interesting during the time that you were building to ideas did you ever think when you started seeing the you know sales go up Do you ever think, hey, now that I'm reaching some kind of popularity, would it help if I go offline? We did, and they're doing it now at Doctor Vedya's. But I honestly didn't have the skill set right. to go offline or entrepreneur, and I didn't have the time either. To be honest, online business was growing so fast, right. so rapidly that I think it was yeah, it was just the way we wanted it to go. And the reason I'm asking this question is because today I hear of online. Today is different. Today is different. Today, I think uh, the number of brands competing online is significantly larger. Right. COVID bump of just online consumption is gone, and consumers have gone back offline. So there are more brands, same amount of supply of ads. So increase in customer acquisition cost. Right. Again, interesting point you made: increase in customer acquisition cost. Right. I think brands still continue to spend on acquisition. Are they missing out on the actual retention part of it? Even I missed out on the retention. because when you're getting new customers easily you forget about it but the secret sauce of a d2c business is retention and retention is very scientific i think early stage founders don't get it as quickly mm-hmm. i didn't get it for two and a half years but the moment you get retention and the power of retention you will unlock an alpha in your business you've never seen before interesting and what advice would you or what suggestion would you give to really retain the customer uh, i would say that i think 
the key is to reach out to the customer at the right point of time, right? The right moment when they are thinking of repurchasing, I've complained to their dosage, et cetera, all of that, number one. Number two, reach out to them on the channel they want to be reached out on, whether it's email, SMS, push notification, WhatsApp, call, figure out what that channel is. And then if needed, incentivize them to repeat. Does that customer a freebie? Does that customer want a feedback call? Will that customer just repeat anyways? Or does that customer need a discount? Figure out what that book is and segment the customer such that you interact with the customer in the right manner. Interesting. Yeah. Today, I hear online brands or DTC brands now experimenting with opening up stores. Any reason why they're doing that? I think two things, right? One, offline consumption is back. Mm-hmm. And two, there is still that feeling of touch and feel, right? So right. there is a section of consumers that are okay to buy completely online, including me. Correct. But then there's a section of consumers who may want to experience something. And so the experience center is becoming very powerful, especially in high UV categories. And if you're spending 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 rupees, let's say you're buying a mattress or a mixer or a cooker or a large amount of kitchen utensils, you want to try it out. If I'm buying an iPhone charger, I'm okay. Sure. I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And this is an extension of that question is the last six, eight months, we've seen the footfalls come back to the brick and mortar stores, right? Are D2C brands who are only D2C doing something to compete and, and bring in some kind of a new experience to, to ensure that they retain customers? I think brands are doing some amazing things, right? They are creating high quality content during the cycle between two purchases that can engage with customers. They are creating communities with customers. They are having beautiful unboxing experiences for customers that they can get that customer delight. They are also creating that feeling of belonging with customers. That means a brand is not just a product. It's a feeling, it's an emotion, it's a tribe, it's a group of people. It's a group of like-minded people. And I think all of these things generate that recall in a brand, that love for a brand that eventually is a redemption. Retention is not just marketing automation. Retention has many more moving parts. Marketing automation can be the that pushes the consumption or drives the consumer over the edge. But retention has much more to do with it. And which brings me to another extension is with inputs like this and after seeing such success coming in, right? Today, I, I see it's become easy to start a D2C business. However big or however small, right? Do you think, do you actually think that it has actually become easier or is it? I think, I think it has become easier from the perspective of the ecosystem, from the perspective of the tools available and the ancillaries. For a founder, you want to focus on product, marketing and brand, the logistics, the customer service, the marketing automation, the warehousing, the WhatsApp automation, the website backend, all of these things are taken care of and there's enough knowledge, right? About this available. I mean, you can Google you can join programs like the one I teach. You, right. can, you can speak to other founders and there's a large number of founders in the ecosystem now. So I think that's been solved for. But the crux of the problem, what's the product? What's the problem it's solving? What's the brand and what's the strategy to engage with customers? That is still not solved. And so that part of it is still in the hands of a founder. The rest of the ancillaries are much easier than when I was building. Interesting. And, and a lot has changed in five years or five, five and a half, six years, right? Right from the time you started to now. Obviously, again, there's been some help because of the shutting around of stores and the lockdowns and all that. But irrespective, I think there's been a lot of... 
there is a sea change in the last five years. D2C is a term. It didn't exist five to six years mm-hmm. ago. There are WhatsApp groups of hundreds of founders now. D2C founders are sharks on shark time. None of this existed True. five years or six years. True. True. Yeah. And I know the pandemic must have played some role. Or what else? What else was instrumental in pushing this kind of popularity? I think the pandemic pushed online consumption and online payment. But I think our consumer set is maturing as well. Consumers are demanding more, wanting more, wanting to engage with brands and not just products. Mm-hmm. It'd be as a brand starvation still. We yeah. need many more brands. And so I think it's following the trajectory of the way the consumption is moving in our country as well. Right. And do you see omnichannel becoming really I know offline brands are now planning to go online and trying to see how they can tap into the this growing market, right? Because it gives them access to newer spaces. You don't have to open stores everywhere. You can go to tier two, tier three markets and so on and so forth. But do you, do you see omni-channel becoming a reality for the D2C business, the D2C brands? It is a reality. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. Exactly. After you reach a certain amount of scale, you will have to unlock it to get to the next level of scale. But smaller brands, smaller brands, just establishing PMF, I think they can still remain online working. Okay. Okay. And of course, I know you, you teach, I know you mentor a lot of D2C brands. Yeah. You also have, I think, a uh, masterclass that you do. So any uh, trends or tips that you think the D2C brands need to be aware of for someone who's starting the journey or not even started, but just thinking about, you know? Yeah, it's a great way actually to, to sort of sum up this conversation, right? I would say one, you've discussed it already. Omnichannel is a reality, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about it, so I'm not really down. Number two, uh, retention is your secret sauce, right? CAC is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. So the only way for you to make significant money is to retain customers. Number three, me too brands will struggle, right? You need to have some amount, some sort of structure to having a moat or defensibility. Number four, I think customer delight is, is something that's under level. Unboxing experience, personalized engagement with customers, rewards to your top thousand customers. These things really leave a long, long lasting impression on customers. And number five, because of Zepto and Instabot and Blinkit, 15 minute delivery, mm-hmm. or not 15 minute delivery, but quick delivery has become a reality. I'll, I'll remind you five years ago, Amazon Prime five years ago guaranteed three days delivery. That was a big deal. Three-day delivery in Metro in India today is a crime. It's a crime. Right? You agree Absolutely. with me? It's a crime. Absolutely. So you have to get your delivery as quick as possible. The longer you take, the higher the chances are for RTOs. And so regional warehousing is also a reality. So these five trends, and I'll recap the five trends. Omnichannel is critical. Retention is your secret sauce. More and defensibility is important. Need two brands will not survive. Think about customer delight and quicker logistics to ensure your RTUs are. Super, super. Just fantastic speaking with you, Arjun. I think you summarized the entire conversation. I know it was a quick one. I would have loved to do a much longer one, but this 15, 20 minutes, I think, encapsulated. I think I learned a lot about what it goes into making a D2C business. And look, I think it's, it's important to say it as it is. Right? Yeah. True. Because we are operating in a business which is technical now. True. There's lots of competition. It's not 2017 
when Arjun Vedya was spending six months figuring out how to launch an online business. That's not the reality of the market. Right. So what's the time of speed today? If one has to launch. You have six to 12 weeks to learn how to run a digital business. Wow. Six to 12 weeks. Wow. And that actually gives you nothing. There's no runway at it, literally. You have, to, you have six to 12 weeks to get the basics and get your business up. Take you that machine. But if you don't do your basics, you'll get it now. Which is, I think, even a very, the runway itself is very short. Scaling, of course, is is of course a step or two ahead. Yeah, you have time to scale, but you don't have time to learn your basics. Basics are non-negotiable. So that's another thing that I think is a takeaway for a lot of the other, a lot of people who are kind of keen to start up something on their own. Right. So thank you, Arjun. Thank you so much. I think you summarized it beautifully, or you kind of captured those little nuggets very beautifully. Omnichannel is going to be a reality for any brand. Right. Uh, Absolutely. It's more about product and customer experience. Yeah. How do you ensure that you have a differentiator and that's what you meant by the moat part of it right? to kind of ensure customer stickiness. Understanding customer better so you can engage with the customer far more relevantly, more personalized. And the retention is king. Quick logistics. Quick logistics, sorry. I forgot that. I missed that. Quick logistics, which I think quick commerce has kind of made us all a slave to, right? So I guess things have changed for the better. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I know it was a very quick, quick conversation. I think you're really insightful and I hope we can chat up soon. Right. Thanks so much, Arjun. Thank you. Bye. Bye.